Mac Voices Holiday Gift Guide number six, part one with Kirk McElhern. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Incogni. Don't let companies exploit your personal information. Visit incogni.com slash macvoices and find out how to protect yourself. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, I bet you thought we were finished with our gift guides, but no, not yet. This will be the wrap-up show of as we try to gather up folks whose schedules were not able to align with ours, and therefore, you know, I had to record them separately and put them all together into one last show to give you things that you would love to give or get this holiday season. Joining me for this session is Mr. Kirk McElhern. Kirk, it's great to see you. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Thanks, Chuck. It's been a long time that we haven't chatted. I know. I don't know where the time – I actually looked up when the last time you were on the show, and it's like, holy cow, how did this happen? It yeah. just I, – I don't know. I, I know sometimes that the time zones get in our way a little bit, but we got to fix that. we got to fix okay. that. Well, we are fixing it here right now, so you're here. Exactly. It's yeah. morning for you, and it's – actually, it's dark out here because the sun sets so early, so. Yeah, well, so – Get your bedtime cup of cocoa and let's saddle up for the gift guide. I've got my tea, Chuck. I always have my tea. That's good. That's good. So, folks, if you haven't done one of our gift guide shows before, it's pretty simple. Um, We go around to each guest. We ask them to pick one item per round. So that gives you four four items from each guest. It also gives you four items from me. Um, We tell you why we like or why we're recommending what we pick and – why maybe you should consider it. So, Kirk, get us started. What's your first pick? I'm going to start with something that you can actually see right now, and I'm going to lift it up to show it to you. Um, This is the Rode DS2 mic stand. I'm a big fan of Rode mics. I'm using the Rode – sorry, I'm going to say that again. I I am going to hold this up and speak into the microphone. Uh, (laughs) This is the Rode DS2 mic stand. So – I'm a big fan of Rode microphones. This is the PodMic USB. What's really interesting is being USB, I don't need an audio interface. So I've really cut down on the stuff that I do. You know, I record a lot of podcasts and it's one less device to not use an audio interface. You notice the shape of this stand. Most desktop stands are just straight up and down and that gets in the way when you need to type. Right. So when I'm doing a podcast and when you are, we're often taking notes and typing and, and and we need to have access to the keyboard. So the way this is set up, you can put your arm into this kind of curved space here, kind of curved space here. It's really hard to talk off mic. Um, and the base is heavy enough. This microphone is 900 grams and the base is heavy enough to support it. You can change the angle quite a bit. Uh, this just came out a few weeks ago. I'm trying to remember how much it was, and I can't remember. It wasn't excessively expensive. Uh, so if you do podcasts or if you do a lot of Zoom conferences, it's a nice solution. Now, I used to have one of those uh, spring-loaded arms on the back of my desk. But in the past couple of years, I've been trying to reduce the visual static around me that I see all the time. Like, I don't want my desk to look like what I see behind you, Chuck. And I, <laughs> and I know I rib you about that every time we we talk. Um, so. I 
had speaker stands that were about eight inches high, and I put smaller speaker stands that are angled. I've removed a lot of stuff. I removed my audio interface, and I can move this out of the way behind my iMac, and it's hidden when I'm not using it. So it's the Rode DS2 desktop mic stand. You took the explanation right out of my my head um, because I was going to ask you about the spring-loaded arms because I've – I really like those, the idea that I can just swing it completely out of the way when I don't need it and then swing it right back into position when I do. Um, but, but then but I always see it. It's, it's always, always right there, and it's always visual static. That's what I call it. Yeah. I mean, let's see. Wrong shoulder. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is never easy when you're doing it in reverse. But, you know, that swing arm for that mic on that side of the room, um, I, I, I get your point. You know, and I think it's interesting that you prefer that desktop thing that you can actually physically pick up, move around, as opposed to just swinging it away. But, yep. Um, I have to say, the road, the, the mic itself sounds great. Uh, is that stand built just for that mic, or is it built for? No, any it'll mic? it'll use any microphone that has a standard microphone thread. It's got an adapter for smaller or larger. I don't remember if the one I have is a smaller or large one. Um, as you can see, it's got a sort of a pivot here, right? So you can change the angle as well as changing the angle on the stand. It's it's the USB version of the Rode Pod mic, which was an XLR mic that they released a few years ago, um, which I've used several Rode mics, the NT-USB, then the Procaster, which was similar to this, but much longer. And as I said, this I run directly into my Mac and I do all my processing on the Mac instead of using an audio interface. And it's cutting out one element in the chain. I, too, am a big fan of road, uh, road equipment. In fact, I'm using a, a Procaster right now, um, and I have for I don't even know how long. Um, it's just it's it's built like a tank, um, and it just delivers every single time. So, yeah. And road. so you, like me, like dynamic microphones instead of condenser microphones. And, and anyone who's a podcaster listening knows the difference. It's a different way of working with a microphone. It. It's especially good if you're in a quiet environment, which we are. If you're in an environment with more noise, condenser microphones are probably better. Yeah, yeah. Great, great first pick. I love it. I love it. Um, so my first pick is I'm going to go sort of with a stocking stuffer. Um, and I want to recommend the Catalyst waterproof case, in this, in this case, sorry, for the AirPods Pro. Now, you're going to look at this and say, gee, that's a little bit much to spend on an AirPods case. Well, in the first place, it's waterproof, okay? In the second place, I've wasted entirely too much money with the little cheap cases that you wrap around your AirPods, and something always goes wrong with them after about three weeks. Whether the, the neoprene plastic um, doesn't adhere to the like the lid any longer, and so it's flopping around, or one of the little tabs that breaks uh, that, that protects the connection underneath breaks off. Now you've got no protection from dirt getting into uh, the the area where you charge it, assuming you don't use wireless charging. Um, And just in general, I I, I find like I started replacing these at a ridiculous rate. The Catalyst is built, it too is built like a tank. I mean, it provides a lot of drop protection. Um, I'm not sure that I'm ever going to want to go swimming with it, but it does. Pro- it, it claims to be waterproof, and it has, I think, a very good chance based on the way it is constructed. Plus, it has a little lanyard loop 
um, which is something I never thought I would use, and I ended up using them. And that was another thing that was wrong with the the cheaper cases is the the little cable, or I'm not even sure, little piece that would thread through there just rips right through the 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 lanyard lanyard loop, and then you no longer can use it. So just you know, it's one of those things you get what you pay for. And so if you are somebody who likes to put a case of any kind on your AirPods, this is one you should definitely look at because it will provide a lot of protection and a lot of features that others kind of do, but they just never seem to hold up. Buy cheap, buy twice, as they say. Or three times. Yeah. 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 Or more. Are, are you a fan I, I know of- you're out in the elements a lot playing golf, so you do need protection for your AirPods. Um, Yeah, I mean, hopefully I'm not swimming too much when I'm playing golf, but yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Are you a fan of putting your AirPods uh, in cases or are you one of those who likes to go completely minimalist? Yeah, I don't really go – I don't take my – I don't swim. I don't take my AirPods into the muddy fields around here. Um, I'd rather not worry about those things. I don't have – I have a case on my iPhone. I always have. I have Apple's – I forget what they're calling them now. You know, the the smart covers, is that what they call them for iPads? That's kind of magnetic. When you oh, yeah. open it, the iPad comes on. I have those on both the, my, my iPad Pro and my iPad Mini. Um, I've seen people that put cases on Apple Watches, and I think that's just sad. Um, but yeah, AirPods, no. And I actually did buy some AirPods Pro on Black Friday, um, which are quite nice. Uh, and I have old AirPods, pre-Pro Amateur? AirPods amateur, I guess. Um, but no cases for me. And I have AirPods Max, too. God, I have so many AirPods. What's yeah. that? <laughs> and I have your Beach Solo 3 over there as well. I have so many headphones. You know, you, you, it's funny how that just brought something else to mind. And, folks, th- this is one that is a very specific case. But I've got a couple pairs of pants that the pockets are not too deep in. And, with, and Kirk, if you hold up the, uh, the, one of the cases again. Um, the AirPods Pro here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a hard plastic, and it slides. It's they slide very easily in and out of your pants. Yeah. If I sit down in the car, it'll slide right out of my pants pocket. And if you put one of these, uh, one of the Catalyst case or any of the others on, it provides a bit more friction so that they don't just slide right away. So I, that may just be unique to me, but it was one little thing that I'd reach for my AirPods and it's like, where are they? Where are they? Happily, I would find them in the car, usually down between the seats, but you know, at least I found them. So one of those annoying little things. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Incogni. Don't let companies exploit your personal data. Visit incogni.com slash Mac Voices and find out how to protect yourself. Incogni is on a mission to help you take back control of your data privacy. We talk about this a great deal here on Mac Voices. Data brokers collect your personal information from all sorts of sources, obvious and not so obvious. Then they sell that data to companies with just a few clicks of the mouse. Incogni wants to help you take back your data just as easily. Information at risk can include names, aliases, social security numbers, login credentials, location history, online activity, and more. Incogni reaches out to data brokers and requests your personal data removal. If they push back, Incogni pushes right back. And they follow up with data brokers since both the gathering and selling is an ongoing problem, not just a one-time thing. Incogni is available risk-free for 30 days, meaning anyone can try it out for themselves and get a full refund if they aren't happy with the service. 
Get our exclusive Incogni deal at incogni.com slash macvoices. It's risk-free with Incogni's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's incogni.com slash macvoices. Thanks to Incogni for supporting Mac Voices. Second pick, Kirk. Okay, I can show you my second pick. It is a Logitech MX Master 3S for Mac. Now, for many years, I have been a trackpad user. And a few months ago, I saw a review of this on something like The Verge, Ars Technica, one of those general tech sites. And I said, you know what? I should try a mouse again. I haven't used a mouse in a long time. And I'd been having some shoulder pain, which, you know, that RSI that you get from the things we do. And I tried this out. It wasn't cheap. I don't remember. Was it 70 or 80 pounds, 100 bucks, something like that. But Took me a few days to adapt, having been using a trackpad for a decade, but I really like it now. Uh, it's got, I don't know how many buttons. It's got two buttons on the front. It's got a wheel. It's got a scroll wheel on the side. It's got two side buttons. And it's got a middle button on the top. One of the reasons I like this special use case is when I'm editing podcasts in Logic Pro, I like to be able to move the, what is it, the transport back and forth. And I can use the scroll button on the side to do that easily. Uh, I have two buttons on the side below the scroll button for back and forward in browser. It's a lot more efficient than a trackpad. Now, I know you can use something like Better Touch Tool, which is a Mac app, to add all sorts of features of touching certain parts of a trackpad, but I don't want to get into that. So I've been using this now six months, and I'm really convinced that I'm just going to stick with a mouse for a while. It seems like every year, the M, whichever one is current, the MX series always shows up in the gift guides because, to your point, once someone tries them, they really don't want to go back to whatever they were using before if they were if they were mice people, mouse people. If they were mice people. Yeah, mouse people, mice people. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a trackpad user, so, you know. Yeah, but I was a trackpad user for as long as I can remember. I can't – it's more than 15 years since I've used a mouse, honestly. Um, and one of the things that changed is I'm, you remember the aluminum trackpad that Apple sold until the new iMac came out? Actually, no, before that, they had the wider trackpad that they started selling um, before the new iMac. That's too wide for me because of the position of my hand on the trackpad. I would put my hand so my little finger is on the desk to the right of the trackpad. And the wider trackpad means that my hand is further to the right, if that makes any sense. So with the mouse, my hand is much closer to the keyboard. Um, it's got a nice ergonomic shape. So once you put your hand on it, it, it's got a nice curve that fits the way the hand is relaxed. And it's a mouse. It's a mouse. Um, if, if, you know, when you spend all day in front of a computer, these things matter. Uh, I, saw, I saw on Twitter today um, – Wirecutter, which is a, a website that I go to often when I'm looking for devices, right? Because they do a lot of serious testing. And they said something like, let's face it, all keyboards suck. And I got to disagree. I'm using the keyboard that came with my iMac, and it's a wonderful keyboard. I've been very happy with Apple's Magic Keyboards. And this isn't one of my picks. I'm just saying since it's next to my mouse. Um, I've been very happy with those keyboards. Uh, I think they're wonderful keyboards. So some people will say all oh, my suck and all trackpads suck. Um, I think it all, it depends on a lot of things. I have large hands and this mouse fits well. If you have smaller hands, it might not. It's a really personal thing. Were you ever a trackball user at all? Briefly? Well, I think um, 
My first Mac was a PowerBook 100, and it had a trackball built into it, I think a little trackball. And that was my first experience with a trackball. Over the years, I had trackballs a few times. at one of those big Logitech with the big red ball in it for a while, but that was too high. I couldn't adapt to that. Um, so no, uh, I, I've had trackpads since before they became common, since before Apple started uh, making their own trackpads. But now I'm a mouse guy. Forget it. Trackpads suck. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't help but comment on your keyboard statement um, because it seems like the world has two kinds of people. They're either keyboard snobs or people that just don't care. I fall into the I don't care. Uh, there are very well, I, few keyboards. I, I care a lot um, because I've had RSI problems in the past, carpal yeah. tunnel and all that. Um, I used to use one of those Microsoft ergonomic keyboards where it's sort of split and raised in the middle, but I've adapted really well to this Apple keyboard for some reason, because I guess I've figured out that the problem isn't the keyboard, the problem is the keyboard operator in RSI. So you have to figure out to get your hands at the right angle and not stress them. Yeah. I like the touch. It's, it's, it's a short action on it. Um, you can feel the keys, but you don't have to push far. But anyway, that's... As you say, there are keyboard snobs who want the clickety-clack mechanical keyboards, which I don't like. Yes. I've, I mean, I got over those a long time ago because, first of all, they're, they're loud. Um, and especially if you're on mic, you really don't want to be clickety-clacking too much. Um, but, yeah, I just find that whatever – occasionally I'll run into a keyboard on some device that is just terrible. And I – but but that is honestly it's kind of few and far between. So I guess it's just well, another thing is I touch type. So I don't want a keyboard with a lot of travel, and I can understand people who don't touch type liking the mechanical liking the mechanical keyboard because there's more travel, there's more noise, there's more tactile feelings. The keys are often not flat; they're often um, concave a little bit. Uh, but I touch type, so not a problem. Yeah, right there with you. So my second pick is something I've really resisted for a long time, and now I've kind of come to really like it. Um, it is the STM MagArm. This is something that attaches to the lid of your keyboard, and there's a little arm that pulls out, and it is magnetic, of course. And so for those of us with MagSafe uh, com compatible iPhones, you just put your phone right there and it's right beside your screen. So you, you've always got it there to see whatever, if you want to have something up, uh, whether it's a video or whether you want to have one of the social media networks up or just even your, your mail, um, you can sit it and have it right there. And I always had a little bit of concern over whether or not this would cause any undue stress on the, uh, on the MacBooks. And when I put this on, even with my, my uh, Pro Max mm -hmm. iPhone, I don't find it to be what I'm perceiving as, as a, a stress on that. Maybe because these feel like they're so well made, uh, meaning the MacBook. Um, and STM has assured me that you know it does not put too much stress on the hinges. Um, I have had no trouble with it at all. And so, I, and I never, you know, I always thought, okay, well, I'll just lay my phone down on beside the computer or prop it up or get a little stand for it. And yeah, that that's fine. But this is always there. It, it just, it gives me a place to put my phone. Um, especially if I'm traveling, 
that you know, I know exactly where it is. It's right there where I can use it or need it. So um, the, the STM MagArm is something that if, if you are mobile with your phone and your laptop, you might want to seriously look at this as a nice little extra, extra screen. Yeah, I'm not mobile at all. I, I can't show you because the cable's short enough, so I can't bring it up in front of the camera. But I have one of these Belkin MagSafe stands where the MagSafe disc goes in and the stand holds kind of like this. And it's great to put the phone in standby mode, which I really like in iOS 17. Um, so I'll often keep my phone there charging and standby mode. So I've got a clock. Tells me it's 7 degrees light rain for the next hour, 83%. Um, when you get Text messages or other notifications, they show up quite visibly. But then again, you're talking about traveling with a laptop. I work at home all the time next to my iMac, so I don't really need something like that to to extend a, a laptop, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Again, it feels like we're having the mouse discussion all over again. Depends on what your use case is. I think a lot of these things are... It's so personal the way people work. Uh, whenever you meet someone and you talk about what their what their layout is on their desk, what types of devices they use, there are so many options. And a lot of people just use the defaults and get along with them. But then people like us, we're always trying new things. And you do kind of settle into things after a while. I, I, I was recently talking to a friend about my whole project of minimalizing my desk space. I used to be the guy who knew where everything was on the desk, right? So piles of stuff. And I've, I see so much of my desk now because in the past couple of years, I've shifted things so they're out of my line of sight. Um, and you just get to the point where I, I, I'm old enough that I'm starting to realize if I find something that works, I don't need to look for something else. I don't need to keep trying to find something better, um, which, you know, when you're younger, you're trying out new things like trackpad or mouse. It takes time to figure out which one you like. Um, charging stand, there's all sorts of options. It takes time. So, But I've gotten to the point where I don't need a lot of stuff. Isn't this the same guy who just said he switched from, to a mouse from a trackpad after how many years? After at least 15 years. But yeah, but sometimes so. you find something that the change is worthwhile. But it wasn't change for the sake of change. It was change thinking – how much is my use of the trackpad affecting my shoulder pain, right? I was getting pain in my right shoulder. Um, so it was an attempt to improve my um, working experience, as it were. That's an interesting phrase, change for change's sake. And I, I agree with you. I think we all get hung up on that. You see the the, the, the the new bright, shiny thing and say, oh, I you know, maybe maybe that'll be better. And instead of maybe doing a critical assessment – um, because I, I find myself sliding in that direction at times that I, I see a new utility that does something similar to what I have. And it, there, there always has to be one new killer feature for me to even consider it anymore because I've got something that works. I, it's, it's in my workflow. My fingers know it, especially when it comes to actual apps and utilities. And so, yeah, it's, it's harder for me to try something new without a really good reason to. So that's two picks each. We're halfway through. Kirk is back next time to help us finish up Mac Voices Holiday Gift Guide number six. Not only do we pick rounds three and four, we also, though, dig into some of the themes that seem to have been running through this particular gift guide, and that is the products that worked for us and may work for you and why. 
That's next time on Mac Voices. I'll see you then. As always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices each month. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.